Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello and welcome back to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart here with Garrett Eisler. Once again, Garrett, hello. Hello. So today we are talking about uh, the odd couple meets their host. And we are going to get right into it after uh, Garrett gives us a little overview of behind the scenes. Yes, the odd couple meet their host, uh, season two, episode nine. Air date, November 19, 1971. Uh, writing credits on this episode belong to two writing, uh, a writing team of Bill Idelson and Harvey Miller, who uh, were frequent writers in the first two seasons. Uh, perhaps not, I, I see their names together uh, sometimes, but maybe not always a team. Uh, two real pros uh, a lot like a lot of these writers coming out of some of the big shows of the 60s like dick van dyke uh gomer pile uh they both seem to have worked on those shows uh fun fact about harvey miller that i'm just gonna spring on you ted yeah not- did we talk about him recently yeah. wasn't he woody allen's was that woody allen's no no that was mickey rose oh okay sorry rose. okay no i have an even more delightful okay. surprise about harvey harvey miller Harvey Miller is not his real name. He was born. Oh, Harvey Skolnick. No, I have that. Yes, we're going <laughs> to be talking that. about that later. That's okay. why it sounds familiar. Yes, it's in, uh, uh, it's in the show notes, our show yes. notes for our, uh, one of our clips. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that's okay. Uh, so, yes, so Harvey, if you don't know what the name Harvey Skolnick means, you will find out oh, in about 15 or 15 minutes or so. Um, so, and Harvey Skolnick has an interesting body of work. Uh, these two writers that uh, kind of s- split in different directions after the odd couple in the early 70s. And Skolnick went on to do a lot of work in movies, including a, film, a writing credit on the film Private Benjamin, which was somewhat of a big movie. And also Cannonball Run 2, which was a big movie in a different way. Uh, so each of these writers having very interesting, notable credits. Right. Uh, and this is the, we are not, this is, we've not skipped an episode this week because we're now on a roll with episodes. Yes, and they were on a roll apparently. So we, we open on an establishing shot of Felix's photography studio, which for us is the first time we've encountered it. I think, Garrett, you point out that they did show it in season one, but for season two, this is the first time we've been there. At least in the episodes we've covered. I don't know if it's in the co- episodes we've skipped, but it doesn't matter. And, but the sign for Felix's studio that the consumer sees walking by is very cheap-looking white signs. It's clear that the Paramount prop department did not spend a lot of money on these signs. To me, these are not signs Felix Unger would put up on his studio. It's a very, very Tony street of New York City. Um, one of the signs says Felix Unger photographer and the other one underneath it says FU Enterprises, which of course has a double entendre, F Felix Unger and FU. Now, when I see that, to me, it's like, well, that's really beneath the odd couple. It feels like a very family guy joke, but Garrett, you say that was in the movie? Uh, I, there is a 
a great joke in Neil Simon's original play, the play, where Oscar is ranting about how Felix is driving him crazy once he moves in. And he says something like, he leaves, I hate getting these little notes from him all over the place. Like, we're out of cornflakes. F you. It took me three weeks to figure out F you was Felix Unger. <laughs> uh, and surprisingly, that did make it into the movie. Uh, <laughs> got Pat, well, 1968 was the movie. So it was the beginning of the end of the Hollywood censorship. So, and it is a beloved line from the movie, uh, I see, according to fans. So there is precedent for it, but I'm, I'm really impressed that you noticed. I did not notice that at all in this clip. And I think aside from how jarring it is for 1971 TV, it's also kind of redundant. Like what is FU Enterprises supposed to be if not Felix Unger? Right, and he never mentions it. You know, he never refers to FU Enterprises. I mean, if, you, if you're watching the show, you're not gonna notice it. It's only when you do a close up. First of all, your eye, your eye is drawn to Felix Unger photography. Oh. Are you saying that FU Enterprises is clearly shown as like his company? Yes, there's a, in, oh, the, okay. in the shot of the store, it says Felix Unger Photographer, and underneath that sign is another sign that says FU Enterprises. Ah, I see, I thought maybe you meant like that, those were like the other tenants in the building, the office next no, door or something. No, no, it's okay. him. Well, I guess it makes sense for Felix to have a, to incorporate himself as an independent uh, artist as uh, FU Enterprises. Yeah, except obviously yes. Felix would know what that means. It's obviously yes. a, a joke. So, yes. um, I mean, obviously anyone really using it probably wouldn't use it unless it was uh, tongue in cheek, but I, I yes. don't see Felix doing it. And it's not, it doesn't fall in line with the comedy of this show generally. Well, Although well, I, I did not realize it was in the movie or the play. Yeah, good catch, Ted. Thank you. Um, okay, so moving on from that. Uh, and let's talk about this the actual location we see in that shot, because Gary and I grew up in New York, uh, there are two iconic stores sandwiching Felix's studio. I mean, it's an amazing location. On the west of it is Serendipity 3. You can see that. Serendipity 3 is a legendary dessert ice cream store that opened in New York. It's located at 225 East 60th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. It is uh, always busy with people lined out the door to get in. It's famous for having people like Andy Warhol and Jackie Kennedy come in. It's famous for something called frozen hot chocolate with multiple R's. Also, if you go to 7-Eleven these days, there's a serendipity line of pint-sized ice cream. Is that true? It is that true. They finally, they finally uh, uh, sold out? Branched out, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I bought those at 7-Eleven there is now 7-Eleven in New York City, not realizing those were serendipity, the same serendipity. I just thought 7-Eleven came up with that name and then when I was doing research. So that is an amazing location. I do not believe Felix Under, photographer, could afford it. However, the fact he is doing the gig he is doing this episode implies he is a very successful photographer. The other side of Felix Under studio is what you can see very clearly is one of the original Pottery Barn stores. Of course, today we know of Pottery Barn as this big chain across the country, but at the time, it was a New York City stores founded in 1949 in New York. And by 1971, there was about 13 stores. I believe this is one of the original locations. Uh, and so that's a really fantastic location. It's, act- uh, for those who can't place it offhand, it's right near the uh, entrance to the Queensboro Bridge. Do you think that really helps people who can't place? Sure, why not? Okay. People, well, look, yeah, I have to admit, this, is my, this was my neighborhood growing up. And uh, so I was really surprised that I didn't recognize it. 
I think I bought so much into associating it with Madison Avenue because as as you know later he mentions that that it's a Madison Avenue address so I was really blown away when you identified it as um, something much closer to home for me the irony is if you hear Madison Avenue just out of hand you're going to think that's a very Tony I keep using that word a very a fancier <laughs> address than no pun intended on oh, that's right good point you would think Madison Avenue is a fancier address than something between second and third Avenue which in right. most cases in New York it would be except for this this is one of the few spots where this is arguably as fancy as something on Madison Avenue mm -hmm. and the actuality of that space where Felix's signs are is actually an apartment building there's an apartment okay. building sandwiched between the store that is there now, which is no longer Pottery Barn, and Serendipity 3, which is still right. there. Well, good job by the lo location scouts on that. Thank you. Oh, I thought you meant good job for me. Yes, good, <laughs> good job on that. Yes, uh, fair. So we go inside Felix's studio, and uh, we see Felix talking to David Steinberg, who, when, when that shot is revealed to everyone in 1971, there's an expectation that everyone knows who that is. I don't know if that's true today. So he's still alive, David Steinberg. He's a Canadian comic. He studied to be a rabbi, and then when he saw Lenny Bruce perform in the late 50s, early 60s, he decided that's what he wanted to do. He joined Second City, one of the original founding years of that uh, enterprise in 1964, and started touring around the country and performing on TV. I would equivalize him to what Jay Leno was before he got to the night show in the, in the late 80s, as like ubiquitous everywhere. That's what, that's what David Steinberg was in 1971. He has the record of the second most appearances on the Johnny Carson show at 140 behind only Bob Hope. That's, that's big. That's big. And he guest hosted on The Tonight Show a lot. And in fact, the first thing Felix says to David is that he cannot wait for Johnny or Merv, Merv Griffin, or Dick, Dick Cabot, to get sick so he can see David. Because David is kind <laughs> of the, the perpetual guest host. But guest that's a, host. That's a big deal in 1971. Right. Hey, for, you know, they don't. Do they, they don't really do that anymore for, so, G, for Jimmy and uh, Actually, Stephen. so Jimmy Kimmel took this summer off and he has guest host the entire summer. And oh, when, see, I, I don't watch him. That was new. And when Jimmy Kimmel's son had some heart issues and when David Letterman had some heart issues, they did have ghosts. They don't have it. Well, until this Jimmy Kimmel thing happened this summer, you're right. David Letterman didn't really have guest hosts when he was not wanting to work. Stephen Colbert is too new. Seth Meyers is too new. Jimmy Fallon is too new. They're all workaholics. They're not going to want it. But I remember those days when, yes. well, I remember like Joan Rivers, Joan Rivers. Was, was very, was the one I remember, Johnny's preferred guest host in the later in the eighties. And, uh, but you go back in the records, you find Woody Allen guest hosted, uh, Bill Maher guest hosted. John. So uh, in the seventies and eighties, yes. In the, in the, in the seventies and eighties, there was John Davidson, Gary Shandling, Right. Um, right. That led to his uh, his persona on Larry Sanders. Yes. He had so much experience hosting. Uh, so, so guess so Johnny, you know, Johnny had a contract, I think there were 40 weeks a year. So they did have right. frequent guest hosts. And they didn't want to do reruns that much. They did want to do reruns. And, and, and if you, there are, there were people before the stuff that's taped, like Don Rickles, there's a lot of people guest hosted that just are yeah. random. Seems like the, the responsibilities of a guest host were not that great. And for some of them, like they just had to make an appearance and do some jokes and the guests would carry the rest of the show. I think it was uh, har harder than you think. Based well, on what people say, it was harder than they th you think. They seem to put a lot of guest hosts in who were just comedians who didn't necessarily have experience interviewing. 
it was just like to have a, a celeb name doing it. But Steinberg seems to have been serious. I mean, he was like ex experienced in the interviewing part. And that's why he was, uh, uh, I guess, a preferred one. But here's a question, Ted. Like, uh, they set that up so well that, as you say, Felix says whenever, like Johnny, Merv, and Dick Cavett. Uh, but they never specify what show David Steinberg is supposed to be hosting. Exactly. They do not. In this current, no, in this moment. They do not. This is, he's housing some, first of all, it's clearly not one of those. It's some random thing he's doing in New York. And they never mention it, I think, because it's probably easier not to mention some phony show. And it doesn't matter. I guess. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really hurt the show. But you're right. right. They never make clear what's going on here. Yeah, like he doesn't have his own show. No, but no, it's presumably some... subbing for one of those people. And I, I speculated to you that maybe there's an ABC co a connection here. And you said Dick Cavett was on ABC, so he was. I mean, if, if David Steinberg had some deal with ABC at the time that made him yeah. the right guest star, it's not something I, I'm able to to uh, trace down. So he's doing, um, you know, Felix is doing a, a, a shoot for TV Guide. And that's a pretty big deal to be shooting the cover of TV Guide with David Steinberg, I think, for Felix, does indicate he is a particularly known photographer. Uh, and Felix says they have a lot in common, to which David says, you've met my secretary. I don't <laughs> find, I, I find that an odd response. Yes. It's like, it's a random, <laughs> it's a random a, response. It's a random uh <laughs> yeah. sexist loose secretary but even aside from the sexism it's like that there's so many things you can say when someone says we have a lot in common if you're a funny man as david steinberg yes. is I, that one to me just doesn't get it but felix is charmed completely charmed by david steinberg and says it's priceless and david says here now i didn't notice what david says until i read the closed captioning for this podcast and you heard something different than what i read he says not really it's pearly P-E-A-R-L-Y. You heard the word early, which I think would be a common... I didn't even... <clears throat> I've seen this episode, of course, hundreds of times. I didn't even hear him say anything. You don't hear him very well. His voice mm -hmm. is low, and the audience, for some reason, is laughing at that secretary, or is, at, is laughing at the secretary line and the priceless response. So I'm going to believe the closed captioning is right, that Somebody apparently. Well, it is. You're right. It is kind of a throwaway, and this all this early this first bit of dialogue goes by very fast. Um, but I don't know what if it's pearly. I mean, I, maybe something about pearls before swine. Yes. but that would be an insult. Well, to no. What I'm thinking it means is priceless is priceless. Pearly uh, is a certain level of value that is okay. Four okay. tiers below priceless, and so oh. it is a it is okay. a um, what's the term I want to use when you put yourself down. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating line to say it was amusing, but not priceless. That's what I think it is. That is, that is the essence of it, right? That, that Felix is, is praising him and, and he's kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, deflect that. But uh, uh, let's focus on the really funny thing, which is that this pattern that is very new for Felix. He's never said it before, but he just loves flattering David Steinberg by laughing at every joke of his and saying, ha, priceless. Yeah, everything. We hear priceless throughout the show. <laughs> So Fewis says, no, what he means was is they both like old radio theme songs. Now, I guess the only way he would know that is because David Steinberg, it's said in some article, I'm sure there was a thousand articles about him by this time, and he mentioned that in there. You think, like, I'm wondering, we know Tony, we can imagine Tony Randall loves that. I get that. Uh, I'm trying to wonder, and I couldn't figure this out from research, if David Steinberg really likes old radio theme songs. You're not sure. 
Uh, well, let's hear the facts. David, Tony Randall was born in 1920. Uh, David Steinberg was born in 1942. The shows that they are referring on the radio were from the 1920s and 30s. Now, maybe when David Steinberg was growing up in Canada in the 40s and 50s, there were still some replays of those old shows, so maybe his parents loved those shows. But Tony Randall, I definitely see him hooked. Yeah, growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, just, you know, Leonard Rosenberg, little boy, uh, just glued to the radio to listen to those shows and remembering those songs. And we all know Tony Randall likes to sing, which he does a lot of in this episode. Uh, so my theory is that the writers were struggling so hard to find some connection between Felix and David Steinberg uh, that Tony Randall suggested this and they just went with it. You don't think David Steinberg listens to them on YouTube in 71? On YouTube? Yeah. No, I don't think he listens oh. to them on YouTube. Oh, all right. I don't know why you think he's so poor in 71, he can't afford a computer, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, they both sing the Little or Orphan Annie radio theme song at that point, which we will play later when it comes up again. Uh, this is a song, Little Orphan Annie, was a comic strip, it was a radio show, of course, many people today know it as a play, but before as a play, it was still a pretty famous character with a, a song associated with it that was sung by the show's announcer, Pierre Andre. Uh, the comic strip actually went on into 2010, from 1924 to 2010. David then tries to stump Felix by singing the theme to a show I'd never heard of called The Happiness Boys, which was a popular early 1920 show with novelty songs. But Felix is able to correctly guess that that's it. So they, they bond here. Felix says when people find out he had this gig, uh, they say what they wanted him to ask, what is David Steinberg really like? So he says to David, what is, he, what, are you, what is David Steinberg really like? And David says, I'm entirely different. Again, not a very funny joke, but Felix calls it priceless. Yeah. Then the phone rings and Felix answers it. It's for David. So Felix does his best Ed McMahon and says, here's David and hands him the phone. And Steinberg starts to discuss a guest he's having on whatever show this is he's doing, Stasha Wozniak, the Polish discus champ. David says that that doesn't sound like a good guest, but he turns to Felix and says, would you watch the show if Stasha was a guest? And Felix says he would, because David could be funny with him as she teaches him to throw a discus. And because of that, Steinberg actually changes his mind. He says, oh, I could be funny with Stasha if she teaches me how to throw a discus, stealing what Felix said to whoever's on the phone and decides to book the guest. He also tells the person on the phone to book the guy who wrote the article on her, Oscar Madison. Now, Garrett, I don't Bing. know if you know, but Oscar Madison lives with Felix Unger. Do you know that? Whoa, what are yes. the odds? So as soon as Felix hears this, he jumps up and down and tells David he can get Oscar on his show. Felix says he'll see Oscar, and David asks where, and Felix says, in my living room, in my bathroom, I live with the guy. And David goes back to the phone and says, I've got a guy here who can deliver him, Oscar. Just as soon as he goes to the bathroom, we've got him, which is a better <laughs> joke than the earlier yes. jokes. And Felix says that's funny again. And Felix guarantees Oscar on the show. So we quickly cut to Felix running in the apartment, straight into the kitchen where Oscar is. His back is to Felix. As soon as he gets to Oscar, Oscar turns around and says, I'm not going on the show tonight. And we go to credits. So we pretty, set up pretty long, cold open uh, yeah. for the sitcom. Yeah, I noticed that in the last, last couple episodes, these, you know, the, the first segment has gotten longer. A lot of setup. I mean, there's a lot to yeah. set up here. So we come back from the credits, and after the credits, Felix tells Oscar what an honor it would be to be on the show. But before we get further, 
Felix notices that Oscar's washing something odd in the sink and says, what are you doing in my kitchen sink? Oscar holds up the item, which is a sock, and just says, sweat socks. Felix then asks, you are doing them, you are doing them yourself in my kitchen sink? To which Oscar says the laundry refused them, <laughs> which I do not believe. It's not credible. Though. Not credible. Felix changes the topic back to Oscar and says, you have to go on the show tonight because you are a very entertaining guy. You think you're the kind they love on these shows because he talks without thinking. But is that true? I don't think see if Oscar is someone who talks without thinking. I actually think of Felix more that way. Right? Uh, do you know, think, is that what you think of Oscar? Someone who talks without I, thinking? It's not the first way I would describe him, but Oscar is very impulsive and not very refined. So, uh, but you know, you have to remember that all Felix is trying to do is butter him up to, right. to make good on his promise. But is that a way to butter him up? To say you talk about it. Oscar says he's he's a writer, not a talker. The whole thing scares me. Felix says, aha, not aha, but (laughs) aha. It's about being scared. Felix says that they asked him, he wouldn't be scared. Oscar says 40 million people would be watching. Now let's talk about this. I work in that business. I work in the business of of analyzing how many people watch. He does, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. It's true. of, I, I work in this, how many people watch a TV show? 40 million people back in 1971 was possible. It's still possible today with you know, certain sports or Oscars or things. But uh, 40 million was reserved for the top 10 shows in prime time in 1971. You're all in the families. You're Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, or maybe a particular Carson episode, The Tiny Tim Wedding, which is still considered the, mm. the highest rated Carson episode, got 40 million viewers. It is not true that some random David Steinberg unknown <laughs> show with Sasha Wozniak is getting 40 million viewers. Guest host, substitution. Polish discus champ. So 10 million maybe. You know, 10 million is possible given there were only three networks at the time. Not 40 million. I don't know where they came up with that. But number. it's interesting where, well, if, if you know that that figure is, would be, would put a show in the top 10, Clearly, the people doing this television show have that number in mind. Yes, is yes. The, the upper limit. Right, of, but why would you uh, reference that for? Well, he uh, wants to make it sound, in his mind, Oscar, Oscar's scared. And this is a big theme we have to hit here, is that Oscar is genuinely nervous to go on television. Not a part of his personality we've seen in the no. whole series. In fact, usually he's Mr. TV. Right. I mean, maybe he, this is, maybe he gets over it in this episode and it's never an issue again. But um, so in his mind, he's imagining it being as big as the Tiny Tim Wedding, when of course it's not. You're right. Because I'm taking it very literally, so yes. you, you're probably... But I think this is an excellent explication footnote. So after he says that, Felix goes on to try to convince Oscar to go on the show, and let's play that clip. I'm like 40 million people watching you, watching every move you make. It scares the pants off. <laughs> you see that? You see Scares the pants off. You see how you turned a phrase? That would be screams. Believe me, David will put you to ease. He'll sit you down, you'll talk about this. And talk. What are you doing? Forget it, I'm not going on the show. But I promised you. It'll make me look like a fool. Better you than me, buddy. You're a funny man. Funny, funny man. <laughs> How am I a funny, funny man? <laughs> it's, the, it's your habits. It's the way you... Now, look. 
You light your cigar at the stove, washing your sweat socks in the kitchen. That's funny. A minute ago, you were ready to kill me for it. I know, but people don't have to live with you think that's funny. Everybody I tell about you laughs their head off. You tell people about me? Yeah. What do you tell them? Well, I tell them... I don't know. <laughs> how you throw your clothes around, how you pack a suitcase, how you eat. That's People love you for that. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Going for a laugh. Don't be such a wise guy. I have to clean that up. Come on, call David's office. Tell him you'll go on the show. It's the simplest thing. <laughs> What's funny now? Hi, you. <laughs> Putting your socks on the icebox. That's, that's it. funny to you? Yeah, that's the way you do it. Oh, it? come on. Will you cut it out? Stop conning me. You open your big mouth. You said I'll do it. All right, I'll do it. Oh, but don't con me. Great, big So that's a great example of... Uh, Oscar doing messy stuff while Felix talks, which is happens a lot through the series. The good news for us is Felix describes a lot of what Oscar does in that clip, so we don't now have to yes. describe it to the listeners. Right, right. Uh, but it's a it's a great interaction, I, and I really like it when Oscar goes, "What makes me a funny, funny man?" <laughs> um, so for there, we we're now cutting to a close up of the actual show. David is doing with Stasha on it. We see Felix watching it from the living room. They do a close-up of the TV set that Felix is watching. Because that uh, vantage point has to focus on what's behind the TV set, which is the fourth wall of the set that doesn't exist. Uh You can see behind the TV some wooden bureau that Mm -hmm. we don't ever see. Whenever they show Felix watching or Oscar watching TV in the living room, they have to have something behind it because otherwise you'd see the studio. So we see this bureau (laughs) that supposedly exists on that side of the wall. Well, there you go. See, it's like, uh, it's magic. Suddenly the fourth wall appears. And he's watching David being twirled around by Stasha and cracking up because actually this is his idea. I mean, this would not be happening if Felix hadn't answered the way he answered to David. I cannot find a credit who played Stasha. The woman doesn't really speak. Uh, it seems like they cut around her also. Like there's moments in the show that like there are, ha- that are, it feels like they cut around this person and there's no credits on the end of the episode. There's no credits on IMDb. I couldn't find anything on Google. I don't know who this is. But what's odd about what Felix is watching, so Felix is watching David Steinberg's show. We see the stage manager of that fictional show, fictional show, cueing David to do stuff. But we know today, you know, sometimes at Saturday Night Live, you will see some crew members as they cut away. But I find it, I don't believe in 1971 that this show would show to the audience the stage manager giving cues. But that is what we're seeing. We're seeing Felix yeah. watch the national feed and he's watching the stage manager. Now maybe since I was one in 71, Maybe that happened. I just don't think that happened. Uh, no, I think you caught a little mistake here, right? Which is when a mix-up between what they're shooting, what, we're, what we are supposed to be seeing directly happening on the soundstage and what uh, Felix is supposed to be seeing at home on the TV. And yeah. they just kind of, subs- they kind of like, uh, forgot to cut the stage manager out of that picture. Stasha puts David down and he says that was Stasha doing her thing. And I think she hurt my thing. Now that's a good line. I like that line. That seems (laughs) good for TV. 
And again, Felix says to nobody in the room, that's priceless. At the time, the buzzer rings. Murray rushes in to see Oscar on TV. He makes some lame joke about driving by a big commotion, which obviously he would as a policeman, he should be investigating. I find the Murray's a bad cop jokes kind of lame in general. And this was a particularly lame one I found. And un- un- unnecessary. Yeah. Well, the camera. So now Murray and wa- and Felix are watching, and the camera focuses on the TV, which is a way to kind of get to the studio. It's kind of an interesting shot, and we hear David introducing Oscar now and saying that his article inspired her to defect. That's the first time we've heard that, by the way. Yeah, you know, I mean, we should just to fill. We're, we're getting this picture of who this. <laughs> this Stasha person is not really an important character in the show. She's a device to get Oscar on the on the David Steinberg show. But I do understand what they're going for, which is that there was a trend during the cold this period of the Cold War of def- a lot of defectors in general, but athletes even defecting from the Eastern Bloc um, during the Olympics or some event. And uh, I checked into this. There was there's no one who's Stasha is clearly modeled on him. I can tell. But uh, the idea, yeah, that apparently Oscar wrote an article about uh, this amazing Polish yes. uh, thrower who defected from the Eastern Bloc, and uh, apparently people care. When David says that, that he, this is a, an article, that he wrote the article, he, he turns to Sasha, who clearly doesn't speak English, to like acknowledge that Oscar's coming on, and he wrote the article, and the audience laughs, but it's for some reason we can't see. It really feels like something was edited there. I mean, it's just because she doesn't react, I guess. Well, I do, maybe, but I think David Steinberg is like, it's off of his reaction of her. Like, he feels really awkward that she's just smiling and and not talking, and and he just doesn't know what to do with the awkward silence. So it's kind of a, they have this, it's a foreigner joke, you know? It's like, she can't. I don't know. It's a little unfortunate. It kind of puts her down. But. I agree with you. The reason the way it's edited is weird. Yes. Uh, fine. We see Oscar while David is introducing him, wiping his sweaty hands and clearly what are probably sweaty, nervous hands on the curtain. Really nervous. Yeah, really nervous. So Oscar is introduced. He sits down. He looks at the camera and presumably the studio audience of the show. And he's very nervous. He's very show. He's in shock Shocked. just to see the studio audience. Right. David says Oscar was very controversial, I guess, if you're encouraging someone the to respect the, the article. article. What did I say? Oscar. Oh, David says Oscar's article was very controversial. And I guess it's because he wrote an article encouraging someone to defect, I guess, and asked him if there are any repercussions. Oscar looks down, grabs at his tie, and mutters no. David asks him to repeat it because he says it very low. And then we see the boom like being lowered. Now, that I, <laughs> that I believe we would see because it's being put on his face. So the I just want to recommend for people to check out the, the visuals, the physical comedy of, of Jack Klugman, spooked by the boom mic. In it his is face. very funny. He says no again, and then he's transfixed by the boom. Like he just stares at it. Dave asks him a new question, which is trying to get Oscar to like snap out of it. Have you ever written an article and then decided not to print it? Oscar starts to think and then mutters, yes, yes, and then says nothing else. Yeah, he's a terrible interview, basically. Felix is frustrated. We cut back to Felix in the living room, and he says that uh, the Polish girl was more articulate, which is a funny line. Oscar starts to mention an article he wrote about Bummy Davis as the article he didn't print, and then says 
he printed that one, all very low energy and low decibel. So the reference to Bummy Davis, there was a boxer named Al Bummy Davis who has lived from 1920 to 1945. He was a world-class boxer. I don't think he ever won any major title, but he was shot and killed in 1945 while trying to defend a friend whose bar was being robbed. And if you Google this guy, there's lots of stuff about him being involved with the mafia or the mafia mm-hmm. hating him for some reason. But he's a kind of, I guess, a tragic figure, a notable figure in the world of boxing. But and apparently way, someone on The Odd Couple was very fond of yes, uh, Al Bummy Davis I, because... It's Medford's more than once, I think. Yes, and, and I just happened to see the uh, season one episode where Oscar meets Nancy, and the way she wins him over is she can identify... He, think, he thinks he can stump her on famous athletes, and she, she actually identifies Al Bummy Davis on his wall. Now, the way Oscar refers to the article... Uh, it implies to me, and maybe this is just my problem, that he was writing the article when Bummy Davis was still fighting. So it had to be before 1945. I, I don't think... High was, school newspaper, maybe? Right, I, I, and he was in the war, also. We know he was <laughs> oh, in the right. war. So maybe Stars and Stripes? Maybe he was writing... Uh, that's interesting. Maybe he was writing an article about <laughs> Bummy Davis later. But Yeah, I think that is... the if, if we were to grill them on what they meant by this, uh, they probably would say, you know, Oscar decided to do a, a retrospective. Or maybe write about the mafia stuff, which is why maybe he wasn't going to print it. Ah, well, that would be logical. That would be surprisingly logical. So finally, Oscar realizes that he needs to talk about something else. So he starts to talk about Felix, and we're going to play the clip of that now. Well, when I come in the house, I throw my clothes on the floor a lot, and I even bet on Did you understand that, Scott? <laughs> well, I, I'm afraid I didn't. I, I, I'm sorry, Oscar. I don't get the connection. Neither do I, but that's what he told me to say. <laughs> oh, I, someone told you to say these things. You mean to say you had help with these answers? <laughs> well, uh, who, who was it, Oscar? Felix Allen. I'm sorry, I, I can't hear you. I, I didn't quite Felix Ungram. <laughs> hey, Felix, that's you! <laughs> I, I understand. Now, this really is quite a coincidence. But this afternoon, I was having my picture taken by Mr. Madison's roommate, Felix Unger. He's a photographer. 380 Madison Avenue, Portland, <laughs> Mr. Madison's services for the show tonight, and Felix made all the arrangements. Isn't that uh, basically what happened? Oh, that's exactly what happened. Mr. Steinberg, you... You're so wonderful and articulate. No, really, I, I mean, I, you're marvelous, Mr. Steinberg. Mr. Steinberg, now he's fawning all over. I just can't watch it. He's ruining everything I told him not to. Oh, come on, Felix, give him a chance. Felix is very, um, he's very well organized, isn't he, Oscar? You know, I, I noticed that he takes his used flash bulbs and he puts them... He puts them uh, back into the carton, and he has them so neatly stacked. The same way at home, it's like living with a chipmunk. That was good. It's nervous laughter. They, they smell his He was the only American soldier during World War II to receive a medal from the German army. From the German army. Yeah, he was a prisoner of war, and the Nazis voted his camp the most hygienic. <laughs> He's 
going great now. Lies. I never accepted that medal. I threw it back in their faces. He's the biggest worry ward in the world, you know. A, a chain of drugstores voted him the hypochondriac of the year. As a matter of fact, he, well, he gets very nervous when he and he begins to honk a lot, you see, when he's very low. He found out he was allergic to aspirin. He went around all day honking. What, what is honking? Oh, oh uh, David, can I stand up? It's all yours. Go well, ahead. you see, he, he gets very nervous and uh, when things are upsetting him, and so he goes around the house and he, he honks. It sounds something like this. Honk, 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 Can I just start yes. with... Yes. Just two things, highlights I want to get out of the way, yeah. or three. Well, uh, you'll talk about the honking, this duet of honking they have uh, on TV screen and then in the apartment where they're honking side by side. Uh, but the two moments I love best is right at the beginning where you started, where Oscar is starts trying to use the jokes that Felix gave him about being messy, but with no segue whatsoever. And he just starts saying, you know, I throw my clothes around the place. And that's why David Steinberg's going, what, where did that come from? Uh, but then when Felix, when he starts joking about Felix, when he starts telling the Felix stories, there's this great moment when, I guess when he says that he's like a chipmunk, where they laugh at that. And you see Oscar his, suddenly warm up to the audience and smile. And he suddenly gets possessed by more confidence now that he can turn this into uh, an insult fest against Felix. Well, what's interesting about that is it's the studio audience of the odd couple laughing, but they use it as the studio audience of the fake David Steinberg show laughing. Which is what I love about this whole episode. It's so meta. Yeah, it is very meta. So yes, that's a great, that's a great part. And the way that you're right, the way they get into it is really funny. Uh, Felix says the address is Studio 380 Madison Avenue, um, which is about 48th Street. I just looked it up. Uh, but not true based on the establishing shot. We said that the honking, that's probably the, I think that's my favorite honking clip in the whole series. It's the back and forth <laughs> oh, of honking. It's, yeah, it's special. Uh, I do not believe that the Nazis awarded a medal for cleanest <laughs> uh, camp. Okay, are we, are we keeping a list of all the war references? We, really <laughs> we are want. not, maybe, but in our- You've got your notes. Maybe um, we should do this because first of all, it, not an episode goes by now where they're not mentioning the war. So this is season two. They're really getting into their, their war history. And it changes every time. So um, we, so far, Felix said he was at the Battle of Anzio invading Italy. And then, so if we assume there's continuity, he ended up in a German prison camp. We also know he get, he's, in, he's in a Japanese island also later. Well, that comes later. That yes. comes soon. So, yeah, I, well, we know that at some point we're obviously going to have no more episodes to talk about and we will need more fodder to keep the podcast going. And I, these are... When we are, when we are retired in the old people's home? Okay. It's, we're doing one a week. There's 112 episodes. We're skipping some. We'll be done in two, less than two years. Wow. Hang in there, people. And then we'll have more, you know, we'll be able to do our top 10 in we'll do the new odd couple. And oh, right. And the, uh, the animated odd couple. <laughs> Well, there's two new, there's the, anyway, we'll do, I'll talk about that later. Back okay. to the war. Back, Back to, to the, the war. Uh, so Oscar uh, comes home after that clip, and he's very excited about his appearance. The, uh, but when he gets into the actual apartment, the lights are off, and Felix is sitting in the dark. Oscar turns the lights on, and he's so excited, and he sees uh, Felix sitting on a chair in the middle of the living room, which is an odd place. And he's clearly distraught. But Oscar slides over them and goes, here comes Oscar. 
Now, first of all, everyone knows there's no cums in the here's Johnny line. <laughs> I don't know why that line had the word cums in it. You would say, here's Oscar. And he tries to share his excitement with Felix. And Felix is clearly humiliated and angry. I don't know why Oscar would. Well, Oscar probably in the back of the mind knows it, but he wants to play it off as if, like, why would you be? Felix gets up, goes into the kitchen, gets some milk to heat up. And Oscar t- continues to try to share his enthusiasm until we get to Felix cannot take anymore. And this clip happened. Shut up! <laughs> you insensitive clod! Don't you realize what you've done? This is the worst night of my life. I've been humiliated in front of the whole world. I'm a laughing stock. Everybody we know is watching that show. I didn't tell anybody to watch. I did. I thought you were going to do some simple, harmless routine about your filthy habits. You said you tore me to pieces. That was so cruel of you, Oscar. The phone's been ringing off the hook. There it goes again. No, don't answer. I can't stand another one, my fans. I'm going to have to get an unlisted number because of you. An exterminator called. I wanted to give me a job. You're going to name a detergent after me. An old man out in Long Island wants me to come out and bathe him. You've humiliated me. The whole world thinks I'm a neurotic madman, and I'm going to kill you for that. This is one of my favorite exchanges in the entire series. We've never heard... It's Tony Randall's perhaps greatest rant. In all five years of this show, this is the maddest Felix ever gets at Oscar. There's never this level of anger this sustained. When he... Every line is genius. Insensitive Claude is such a great line because it's, it's so Felix. You know, there's so many things one could yell at Oscar at this point, but to use... Those two words is just really uh, 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 smart. Like it's a really smart combination. And the I've always loved. If I have a list of top ten lines, the whole world thinks I'm a neurotic madman. I'm going to kill you for that. The way he says, "I'm going to kill you for that." His eyes are bulging out of his socket. It is. It is. I agree with you. It is probably Tony Randall's best monologue of this the series. jokes yeah it's like the joke they brought in all the joke writers on this staff you know including i'm sure the actors and gary marshall and just to say like what are the three things people call it on the phone it's aside from stretching credibility yes the credibility in those you. days you know a lot of people watch television the, the everyone's in the phone book maybe yeah. they did pick up the phone look for felix unger and uh so we have the uh, uh, exterminator wants him offered him a job they want to name a detergent after me. And the old man in Long Island wants me to come over and bathe him, which sounds like some kind of pervert thing. I don't know. But no, um, I would want, if I, I, I would definitely want a detergent. I'd get a good amount of money. Like if I could get a detergent I, named yeah. after me, that's royalties. I think he should he be. Should have, he should monetize that. He should monetize that. And thank Oscar for making him a famous person for being neat. I'd rather be a famous person for being neat than, than, uh, and messy. I don't think the way Oscar phrased it, he's a neurotic madman. He's just very finicky. Yes. But still, it's just. But this is all about how Felix feels. Yes, about. exactly. Of course. And, and, and it's exactly, you know, he clearly they want the other person to be the weirdo to everybody else. Right. And, and here we have the crux of the, the, the story here in this episode, which is that it really becomes this is a, a neat 
versus sloppy episode because first Felix is telling Oscar he should go on and make self-deprecating jokes about his sloppiness and instead Oscar goes on and makes jokes about Felix's neatness so all the jokes now are going to be along those lines and it's the epitome of because they always think the other one is the weirdo in right. life <laughs> and this is their chance to prove it to the country and they both yes. want to win right there this is their first as far as we know their debut on national television it's, and it's a great way to go to commercial, maybe one of the best commercial breaks in the whole series. After the commercial break, we see Felix walking down a street in New York. It's a very, it's a completely useless shot of a, of a un, I couldn't figure out what street it was. It's showing him going to the David Steinberg studio again, back to where Oscar was. I don't know why we need to see that. He's now on set with his camera. I guess he's taking more pictures for TV Guide. Steinberg says uh, if he's going to, you know, ask us, are you taking my picture today? And Felix says, whenever you are available, Mr. Substitute, which is, of Ooh. course, very harsh. And a, using Mr. the- guest toast. Exactly. He was, the, last week, or the, sorry, the, the, the first shot of the show, the substitute thing was like a badge of honor, and he was so excited, and now, of course, he's using it as a- Hey, uh, by the way, speaking of guest toast, quick, uh, quick sidebar on Tony Randall and guest toast. In the movie, King of Comedy, which is yeah, quite a few years after the series ended, when in the plot of King of Comedy, when uh, the Robert De Niro character kidnaps the Jerry Lewis character, who is modeled on Johnny Carson in The Tonight Show, yeah. uh, they need a guest host to substitute for Jerry Lewis, and it's Tony Randall playing himself in oh. the movie. We see, and, that in the, we see that in the movie? Yes, he, oh, he, it's the climax that. of the movie. He, Tony Randall is the one who introduces Rupert Pupkin's monologue because the real host, Jerry Lewis, is uh, in, tied up. Oh, wow. so, it's a, so if you didn't know that, check out Tony Randall in the climax of King of Comedy, where he clearly is shown as the kind of guy who would be a guest host himself. Today watching, I ended up watching a, a password, old password episode, a real password episode with Tony Randall on it. And it's very Felix Unger-like. Oh, right. He answers, he answers clues like completely like Aristophanes. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then I started going to this hole of watching Tony Randall on all these shows. And, you know, he was on everything back in that time. But that's a great, that's a great uh, uh, piece of trivia. I did not remember that at all. So after the Mr. Substitute line is said, Dr. Uh, David is surprised at like this reaction. Felix says, oh, he's moody and goes on to insult the studio set. David guesses now, finally, that Felix is upset about the show the night before. For some reason, David seems surprised that Felix could be upset, although I think it should be obvious. David says that Felix should not be upset. He was the hit of the show. He tries to tell him what is actually it was good for Felix. David invites Felix to come on the show now because all his neat freak stuff and his style is funny. And quote, Felix Unger tells his side of the story. That's the pitch. And to get Felix more on his side, David starts to sing the Little Orphan Annie theme song again. That melts Felix. And he says to David, you can be damn charming when you want to be. So David yells backstage, hey, Harv, we got the neat freak. And now Felix mm -hmm. is laughing because David has charmed him. And Felix says, after David leaves backstage, to go backstage, he says, I guess he likes me. And Felix starts to practice walking out on stage. He has one hand in his jacket pocket as he comes out. Posing very debonair. The next scene, we're back in the apartment kitchen. Oscar says he talked to David. And David told him that Felix will be on the show tonight. Felix seems surprised that this exchange happened. And Oscar brags 
that David called him a few times today. Felix asks Oscar to wash up before dinner. Oscar heads to the kitchen sink to do that. And Felix says, aren't you going to use the bathroom? And to which Oscar says, I don't have to, which is a <laughs> funny line. Uh, I actually think I wash my hands in the kitchen sink. I don't think that that's that big a deal, right? Uh, uh, I hope not, because yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I'm more Felix-like than Oscar, but I don't think washing your hands in the kitchen sink is- And after good. all, he's washing his hands. Yeah, exactly. Right. Clean, so. Oscar brings in, so Felix asks Oscar to bring in this pan, this, this pan of food that's covered that they're going to have for dinner. And Oscar uh, asks what it is. And Felix says it's cream chipped beef on toast, which makes Oscar very upset because he says all veterans hate it. And that is because in World War II and army in general, cream chipped beef on toast was very commonly served. It's what earned the nickname, if you've heard this, shit on a shingle. Mm-hmm. And it was used in the army because chipped beef was very shelf stable, could easily be transported and stay a long time in its packaging. But I think as, as veterans ate too much of it, they became, you know, if you eat too much of something, especially in war, you're going to end up hating it. And apparently not very tasty. No. And Felix says he's sorry, so inconsiderate of him, clearly sarcastically. Uh, but he obviously made it because he was mad at Oscar. Although Felix is a veteran too. So you would think Felix would hate it as well. But, but that's why Felix would know to make yes, it. I exactly. think it's a, sh- a shared reference between them. Oscar asks what Felix is going to talk about on the show, and Felix says that he knows what is effective. Oscar says, don't try sloppy jokes, stick with the neat jokes, that's what they like, because Oscar clearly doesn't want the tables to be turned, or he's Mm -hmm. now the uh, neurotic, well, not neurotic, whatever the opposite of neurotic neat freak is, is Oscar. At this time, the doorbell rings, and Felix answers it and opens the door for a character named Harvey Skolnick, who we know is named after the writer of the show. That's a little arrogant to name co-writer, but maybe his co-writer decided to name the character after his co-writer. Maybe, but here's another funny thing that uh, the real, so so the the character is not played by the real writer, Harvey Skolnick, AKA Harvey Miller, uh, but the real life Harvey Miller, AKA Harvey Skolnick did make guest appearances in several TV shows, including an early odd couple where he played the penguin in the uh, the nudie show episode from the O Calcutta episode from season one. Yes. Where, anyway, yes. if you look up Harvey Miller, uh, you'll see he actually did cameos, but surprisingly not in this one where he named the character after himself. So the who act- was a comedy writer just like him. The actor playing the fictional Harvey Skolnick is Frank Corsentino. He appeared sporadically in the 70s on TV. He was also some of the original Ferengi for uh, my fellow Trekkers out there on the Star Trek The Next Generation. Ferengi was, of course, a big character on Deep Space Nine uh, with Quark. But the Ferengi uh, were introduced on Star Trek Next Generation, and that is where uh, Frank Corsentino played a few of the original ones. So let's play uh, the clip when Harvey Skolnick comes in. Mr. Unger? Yes. And David Sanders. Yes, 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 yes. Come in, come in. Thank you. Ah, and there's Mr. Uh, Madison. Uh, I'm Harvey Skolnick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, you're having dinner. Oh, look, That's I don't want to take right. a no, time. No, no. You see, I don't have a lot of time. That's all right. Time for what? What is it, Felix? David was sent this young man over here. He's just going to ask you a few questions. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. He said he didn't want to get the material. Eats with his hands. <laughs> Should wear a bib. <laughs> Likes army food. Ah, look at this, a man announcing my meal. Look at his shirt. Oh, 
How many days have you worn that shirt? Come on, I put it on precious morning. Ring around the chest. Funny, funny, funny. Oh, voted uh, one of the best-dressed men by popular mechanics. Good, good. What, 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 what's going on here? He's my writer. Your writer? Yeah, David sent him over to help me. Help you what? Get material. Look, look, look at his comb. Eight missing teeth. <laughs> if you can use it. You want to see his laundry? Oh, yeah. You know, we might get something out of that comb. Uh, like, uh, looks like the New York skyline. Good, good. It's a wonderful comb if you're Yule Brenner. Funny. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Where's the laundry? Just follow the trail all the way up the <laughs> why are you doing this to me? To destroy you. <laughs> Do what you want. I'm telling you, I know what answers. What's the matter? I just saw his room. <laughs> on the bedpost. <laughs> wait, wait, come out of the kitchen. I want to show you his food. Oh, I already saw it in his bedroom. There's a uh, half a tuna sandwich. Oh, uh, that's no, no, that's what you do. Oh, it's it's okay. You don't believe me. I have enough. That's all the charm of a dot strike. All right, come on. Let's talk about that a little bit. I don't, most of those lines aren't that great. Eats with his hands, where should wear a bib. Like, I don't think he's a great writer. Couple of them are okay, but it's not that great. Well, to me, that's not the charm of it. To me, is like this is where the episode gets really meta because, as Felix said, like Oscar, who's this guy? Because he's my writer, and so part of the the fun of this episode to me is these two civilians, right? These two normal people suddenly get caught up in this showbiz world, and all of a sudden, Felix has a staff. <laughs> you know, it's like presumably we don't see this scene, but presumably. Uh, Felix says, I don't know what to say about Oscar. And Steinberg says, I'll send you a writer. And the visual here is that Harvey comes in with a very 70s style, with a tape recorder, an old-fashioned Panasonic, like, manual, whatever you call it, cassette player strapped to his shoulder with a microphone so that he can, and all those things he's saying is, like, notes to self. Like, he's just, like, talking into the microphone, like, taking notes, like, eats with hands. So eats with hands is not necessarily the joke, but he's... Uh, sort of like taking notes for himself for later and watching him narrate uh you know to narrate uh derisively everything oscar is doing is funny but he's working it's like a real professional comedy writer yeah. at work right it's not the actual joke he should say necessarily although it seems like like the i don't know if he ever gives felix different jokes because later on the show he goes with the eight missing teeth line although he bungles it as we'll hear Yes, I mean, part of the, right, we do, uh, uh, Felix is, has written notes with him that are apparently Harvey's work. One of the things, I don't know if you noticed this, but when Harvey, when Felix lifts Oscar's comb out of his coat pocket and shows it to Harvey, Jack Klugman goes to grab the comb back to put in his pocket and drops it, clearly unintentionally, and then Tony Randall has to go pick it up off the floor, or does pick it up, you know, in a very Felix Unger-like way, picks <laughs> right, it up off the right. floor and puts it on the <laughs> coffee, on the side table of the couch, which wasn't necessary, but that was just Tony Randall's instincts yeah. to pick up something that's Very dropped. in character. Also, oh, oh yeah. in case you missed one of the last lines as he's being, Oscar's throwing, picks up little Harvey and literally like tosses him out the door. And that's when Harvey, is his last joke he dictates into the tape recorder is, has all the charm of a dock that's, strike. That's his best line. Also, I don't. I didn't notice this until again doing this podcast. But after, uh, after Felix sends Harvey to the uh, to the inside of the apartment, 
Oscar says, look, Biggie, why are you doing this to me? Referencing the, that's a biggie, that's a biggie. That's a biggie, that's Os- a biggie. You know, Oscar, I think it's really a Jack Klugman, likes to reference something Felix says in the next line. Right. I never noticed he says, look, biggie, before. And here's <laughs> something else I just find odd. Felix goes to tell uh, Harvey to go look at Oscar's laundry. Why wouldn't he say, go to Oscar's room? Like, he implies the laundry is, I, oh, I would, I I would think the laundry is all. I, I would think he would say, go to Oscar's room, because he almost mm. accidentally sees the room. I find that, mm. didn't you find, you didn't, I, I'm more focused I on. I wasn't these. following very closely at that point, yeah. After Oscar throws out uh, uh, Harvey, the phone rings, and Oscar says, hi, old buddy, which is, uh, that's what yeah. Jack Klugman does a lot. He uses old buddy for old buddy. And he says he'll have to think about it. Felix says, who was that? Someone who wanted advice about garbage, which was a funny line. And which he laughs himself. Yeah, he does. He cracks himself up. Yes, he's in a very uh, good mood. He, you know, he feels like he's like the king of TV now, that he's going right. to triumph. Right. Oscar said it was David, that he wants Oscar to be on the show tonight, too. Oscar says he won't go on at the show if Felix won't make sloppy jokes. Felix says he doesn't care if Oscar goes on or not. I made you so I can break you. <laughs> another great, uh, another great ominous line he u- uses in his uh, most severe tone. Isn't part of the, also what's funny? What's going on in the background is that uh, now Oscar wants to be David's best friend, you know. And so the whole way it started is first Tony uh, Felix was gonna was chummy with uh, David, and then Oscar's really nervous to meet him, and now Oscar's going, oh, it's my best friend David calling me on the phone. And so they're both competing for who can be friends with the cool guy. They are, they are. That is definitely a dynamic here. Uh, in the next scene, we're back on the show, and Oscar is on the set with David, I, almost like a co-host. Right. And he's doing more neat freak jokes, Oscar is. He says, how about a guy who goes through art galleries taking wind out of the statue's stomachs? referring to Felix and this leads David to bring Felix out he comes out finally you know he's introduced here's this this person 40 million people are hearing about (laughs) and he comes out and he does the same walk that he rehearsed but when he sits down in the chair he leans back and goes too far back and basically almost falls out of the chair the chair completely and that has completely ruined his confidence he's now well we see how he's gotten just like oscar he 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 he, just like oscar he's turns out to be incredibly nervous in front of the cameras but i think surprisingly i think it's because of the chair oh i don't i think if he had not fallen over and i think that's what we were supposed to believe maybe you're right maybe the chair is just another symptom of his nervousness but when he sat down in the chair he did not seem nervous when oscar came out the moment he walked on the stage he was Mm. nervous felix was not I think that chair just threw him off completely. So here's well, what, yeah. Yeah, let's play it. Let's play it. Here's what happens after Felix recovers back into the chair. You want an opportunity. <laughs> want an opportunity to come on the show because you want it equal time. Isn't that right? Right. All right, Felix. The cameras are yours. The mic is yours. And I hope the chair is yours. <laughs> Go. Right. Good evening. I wish you could meet my roommate, Oscar. <laughs> he looks like Yul Brynner. Uh, his comb looks like Yul Brynner. <laughs> I wish you could see him eat. Eight missing teeth. <laughs> uh, 
about it, uh, and talking about his shirts. Uh, he has ring around the chest. <laughs> the honky's gonna start anyway. <laughs> he was voted the most popular mechanic. <laughs> oh, we're, gonna, we're gonna have to break for commercial, but we'll be back with more of this uh, scintillating conversation in just a second. Stay with us. What's the matter with you? You're shaking all over. Oh, but you mixed it all up. I bombed. You want me to read it? You want me to do it for you? Where are you going? I'm going to take a bath. No! And after the world's shortest commercial break, which is much to be right, five seconds, right. uh, David comes back, gives Felix another chance to, um, to make fun of Oscar on the show. Uh, but and Felix, recover, recover his dignity. Yeah, and Felix is uh, sitting there completely uh, catatonic. And um, Oscar tries to save Felix by discussing the topic from the prior show about writing an article. He tries to basically take the focus off of Felix, and he starts to talk about some article, and then they hear Felix start to sing the Little Orphan Annie song, which David joins in, um, and all of a sudden Felix perks up. And now stands up and starts to sing. I know, that's why. It's little orphan Annie. She and Sandy make a pair. They never seem to have a cute little she. It's Little Orphan Annie. Bright eyes, cheeks are rosy glow. There's a healthy day. Eyes, always on the go. If you want to know, Arf says Sandy. Always wears a sunny smile. Now, wouldn't it be worth your while if you could be? The way Tony Randall goes from completely catatonic to Mr. Showbiz is just a really <laughs> great progression of... Yeah, even if totally unrealistic, it is uh, uh, yet predictable. But, you know, uh, for, uh, I point out a lot of stuff that is uh, unrealistic, and obviously, for the, in the show. There's something, the way he does that, that makes me believe that's the way this person, Tony Randall, Felix Unger, would... It would actually happen to him that way. Yeah, because he's... Uh, That's him. That's his character. He's so... Right. He, he Well, as and just like Tony Randall, Felix Unger loves to sing. He does. And he loves to... Yeah. Uh, the second song we heard... So the first song, obviously, was Little Orphan. And the second song we heard was the theme from The Happiness Boys, which was the 20s radio show that David Steinberg tried to stump Felix on at the top of the show. And which apparently the David Steinberg show orchestra already knows. Yes, yes, I did find that. And is able to accompany Yes, him. yes, that, that was definitely also a bit of a, a, that's a, <laughs> that's a fake thing there, obviously. Well, you, well, you, 
uh, and also the lights, the light, he gets a spotlight. It's great. The transformation all of a sudden into a cabaret act, you know, for Felix. Uh, but the music did remind me of something I just read. I've been re- trying to read up on stuff that Gary Marshall said about the show. And he mentioned that because of the, when there began to be so many musical numbers in the show, thanks to Tony Randall, uh, they just had on staff what he called an odd couple band. And this, I, now I see what he means. Like they didn't just job them in. They just always had them on staff and that they must sometimes appear on stage when those scenes where Felix is going to sing with a band and they're probably there off stage, you know, ready to play at this point. But oh, presumably they're like, they're like the Doc Severinsen orchestra. Well, speaking of that, we, Johnny Carson used to do stump the band. So there's a hit, there's a precedent of somebody saying oh, right. a song and a, a band right, being right. instantly able to play it, but they start off almost as he's singing. So that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. If he sang it for yeah. 10 seconds. Also, the one thing that I didn't, again, notice in this scene until I studied it for the podcast was there's a moment where Oscar puts his feet on the table of the set. And <laughs> while Felix is singing, he goes and pushes yeah. Oscar's feet <laughs> off the set. He, he's, he can always break character just to, like, to, to be fussy with Oscar's uh, messiness. The tag scene starts at the end of the show. David is in their living room, and Oscar's saying it's true that Felix really uses disposable earbuds. Felix retorts and says, until I moved in here, Oscar thought mildew was a flavor, which I invented. And we had a picnic at Central Park, and the ants gave him a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And, Dave, uh, and David says standing ovation at the same time. So clearly this is some sort of known joke. Um, so Felix says, biggies, nothing but biggies. Felix is very, very into this whole David Steinberg repartee, and he's proud of everything. Oscar, but during this, I also noticed that Oscar touches Felix's arm with a sort of affection that really is acknowledging the fun they're having, and despite the fact that they both try to one-up each other on national TV, which, by the way, is never referenced again, ever. The fact that <laughs> yeah, Felix Unger was I thought seen, Felix Unger was famous. All right, that never happens. Um, but the way he, I just really love the way I don't want to say Jack touched Tony's arm because I think that was a Jack Tony thing. I just that just really kind of cemented their relationship to me. Well, it also shows you know it makes yeah. Now you say that like I felt this tag was kind of ta- tagged on, as you as it were. Uh, but uh, there really is a point, even though there's no content in this other than they tell some jokes and later you'll as you'll say sing a song. It's a very short tag, but the point of it is to show that they're healed. Their yes. relationship is healed after it's been so vicious. They've yes. been so vicious to each other. And we saw it a bit when Oscar, when Felix did fall off the chair and bomb that Oscar runs over to him yeah. in the break to say, what's wrong, Felix? Uh, and now we see they've all made up. And the scene is the three of them around the, the dining room table in the apartment, clearly a post-show, you know, cast party atmosphere where they're all relaxing for, with coffee and uh, dessert. And it's just, everyone's all made up again. David says he has to go. And Felix starts to sing, I love to spend this hour with you as friend to friend. I'm sorry, it's through. I'm telling you just how I feel. And they all join in as David leaves. And this was Eddie Cantor's radio theme song, which somehow Oscar seems to know too. Uh, And they sing this as David leaves. And actually we end and go to the freeze frame of the end credit with them singing the the music right before the, the musical note kicks in. It's a rare time where the show ends with people singing. It may have happened. Maybe it happens again. I just don't remember, but it was kind of a a very, you know, not the usual ending. Usually it ends on a joke or 
one of them gets over on the other one somehow in the end. But uh, we go out on this very friendly, very upbeat right. camaraderie. And brings back, again, the whole old, old, raises the question of the old-time radio theme songs, which now I have a new theory yeah. that just occurred to me listening to Felix at the end, that I now think that they worked backwards from the Felix singing at the show they realized that that was the way that it should end, that Felix should break into song on the David Steinberg show. And they had to work backwards to make that meaningful. And then they said, well, what if Felix and David both were into these old time radio shows and this kind of tied it all together? I know it's out there. But no, it's not, I look any, I, there's no reason that's not the way it happened. I certainly can <laughs> see that. I mean, you know, they, they forced in a lot of famous people of the era into their show and yeah. some of them worked and some of them did not. This one worked. Yeah, this one does work because it's so, you know, it's not a, that much of a stretch to, for David Steinberg to be in this world, I guess. No, it feels organic and it really plays off them. And it's not, I think the ones that are, that are weird are the ones that are musically based. This is yeah. based on comedy, so it works. So I, I find it very funny episode. It is a bit fluffy. You know, there's really not a lot that happens. Although in terms of their characters and stuff going on in their lives except for the moment when Felix really yells at Oscar more intensely than ever but uh there's really not a moment in here I don't enjoy and I give it four out of five Murray's I agree Ted definitely four out of five maybe even more um I would I would not give it a five just because it it does suffer a little bit from well you were just talking about guest show guest star-itis in a way um but for the most part, David Steinberg works fine in this context. But again, what I love about this is that it's the first sort of meta sh show we see. It's television about television. And the way that you keep remembering that we're watching a television show uh, by, crafted by TV comedy writers and performers and kind of sending that up. And so again, like the, the joke writers, uh, even the use of the boom mic in the shot to freak Oscar out. And of course, the joke that Klugman and Randall are such consummate professionals, experienced professionals, playing to non-actors getting really nervous in front of the camera. And it's so fun watching them do that. It is, yeah. It's really, it's really delight. Well, that's it for our summary of this episode. As a reminder, if you have feedback, uh, you can email us, uh, email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. We'd be thrilled if you could give us some reviews and ratings somewhere, especially if they're good. Uh, so, Garrett, um, you're an insensitive Claude, but I'm going to say goodbye and talk to you next week despite that. I made you and I can break you, Ted. Good night, everybody. Good night.